Hi, this is Ron Stiver, President of System Health Solutions. We'd like to welcome everyone to this podcast. I'm really excited today to have a couple of guests with us. One is Nicole Wilson. Nicole is our new Vice President of Community Health Operations, part of our System Health Solutions team. And also Dr. Bronson Tucker-Edmonds, who's Vice President and Chief Health Equity Officer for IU Health. Nicole, Bronson, great to have you. Great to be here. Thanks for Thank the invitation. You. Thanks for having us. So you may have heard when we do these podcasts, we always kind of start off with an icebreaker. And I've heard a lot of great stories over these. And, and, and we're, going to, we're going to be consistent. So the question is, think back to when you were 10 years old. At that point, what did you want to be when you grew up? Bronson, we'll start with you. I distinctly remember wanting to be a princess. And this is not like a five-year-old's princess. This was like, no, that to me seemed like a reasonable aspiration. My husband would say, I still think I'm a princess. So you're saying consistent. <laughs> so I'm consistent. But no, I think seriously, I do. I, I did toy with that as a, as a potential occupation. But I, um, I really have always wanted to be a doctor. Not, I don't get a lot of originality points either. Um, my father is a doctor who's an OBGYN as well. And so I think we, I did grow up kind of around medicine. And then I also grew up with kind of a model of somebody who was really taking care of like underserved communities. Mm -hmm. And one of his biggest quips in that space was that it was really hard to do so because of, dare I say, but Medicaid reimbursements and the fact that they were so under reimbursed by, by comparison to commercial payers and things. And so I actually thought I wanted to be a doctor who would end up going into like running like CMS one day. Like I wanted okay. to do like healthcare, like administration, like policy, managed care, those kinds of things. So that was my path for some time. And then, you know, life happens, but. Yeah, but called it a very early age. You, you didn't see, you didn't veer very far off that. I didn't, yeah. I actually have, have, yeah, you're right. Stayed pretty, yeah. pretty close to it, but, yeah. but I've taken some twists and turns. I definitely didn't see academics in my, yeah. in my uh, future or my path. That wasn't a model that I had, but it was one that uh, I guess found me. Nicole, what about you? So when I was 10, I also wanted to be a physician. Mm -hmm. And I remember writing essays about wanting to grow up, become a doctor, and start a clinic in my neighborhood or start a clinic in an underserved area. And I remember also when I got to high school, I wrote an essay about that and I won some scholarship dollars to go to college. So yeah, I always wanted to be in the medical field. My aunt is a nurse. She worked for Eskenazi for years. She worked at one of the FQHCs and she would take me into the office at the time during time where HIPAA wasn't a thing <laughs> and I would be doing a lot of filing and you know just listening and shadowing physicians things that I'm sure require a lot more rigor for kids to be in the office but I grew up around the medical field my mother worked for Anthem for many years so that was always the vision now I'm not a physician I do have a doctorate degree but I, I do like where I landed as a system as a committee, we're incredibly fortunate to have you in the roles that you are, which are critical to fulfilling our mission and the work ahead of us. So I, I think the listeners would be curious to learn more about what brought you to the roles. You hit on it a little bit, but tell us a little bit more, Nicole. Talk a little bit about your journey, what attracted you to the community health role. Sure. For me, this is a career change. I have always been in healthcare operations my entire healthcare leadership career, I'll say. I used to take care of patients. I, I'm a recovering physical therapist. But when this opportunity came my way, I wasn't really looking for a different opportunity. I was just blessed that it came my way. And um, my initial reaction was, oh, that's not me. I'm a healthcare operator. 
And then as I began to reflect on the role summary and the opportunity to impact and specifically the opportunity to, to impact people who were underserved and probably thinking back to my initial goal as a physician wanting to work in an underserved area, it really kept coming back to me as maybe this is a good opportunity for me to have a different kind of impact in the community and a different type of impact to the neighborhoods that I love and serve in. And it was a good mix of the things that I love, which is healthcare, and I love being of service in the community. And so for whatever reason, it kept coming back as this would be a great way to combine my two passions. Mm. And so I took a risk and ended up taking the job. I'm thankful you did. Bronson, you're our first chief health equity officer. Tell us about what in the end got you to say yes and drew you to the role. Well, this was also a career change for me in, in many regards because I really, I, I think of myself still as an academic, you know, as an academician, and I come to IU as a faculty member. Um, I'm a OBGYN, but a health services researcher by training, and uh, I came kind of pursuing, you know, kind of a research career and, uh, you know, promotion and tenure, and so it was on a really traditional research faculty path. Um, And then I guess, you know, I did start to do more in the space of administration and leadership for the School of Medicine when I joined the dean's office and serving as as an assistant dean for diversity affairs. Um, That was, you know, really rewarding. And then, I don't know, maybe, dare I say gateway, because then I started taking on way too many hats that were administrative. And working in sort of, you know, workforce development efforts and uh, vice chair, kind of my department. But it was work that was really fulfilling. And so similarly, I wasn't necessarily looking to kind of move out of that realm of work. But when the opportunity presented itself, it goes back to that sense of being a health services researcher, which is for folks who don't know, I mean, it's kind of um, really the, the premise. I remember in fellowship, it was like, how do you do research that informs practice and policy? And so... The, I think the big draw for this new role was um, the opportunity for impact. I mean, you know, we have a health system that has this, you know, really um, impressive kind of footprint and reach across the state. And if there was an opportunity to bring some of my loves together in terms of passions around sort of social justice and alleviating or um, eliminating um, health inequities, um, to be able to do that to scale with kind of resources and leadership and at a moment for our organization where there was both attention, resources, and commitment that were being put in that direction. It did feel like an opportunity that I I wasn't sure if I wanted to miss out on. So it's a bit of a departure from the path that I was on and um, most of the stress was would I be able to get back to that path if I didn't like this one. But But, um, but I, I think that that's what makes up kind of life in a career is that sometimes you, you take a risk or you kind of step in another direction and, and see where it leads you. Well, I, I do think, I mean, the, the word impact, right? The, mm-hmm. the opportunity to have impact that IU Health and our, our footprint and position in the state has. I think there are few opportunities to have broader impact mm-hmm. in this space. You know, we, we as a system, we've talked a lot about health equity. What, what do we mean when we say health equity? Yeah, it's about ensuring that everyone has an opportunity to pursue their uh, kind of optimal state of like health and, and well-being. And that's kind of kind of a shorthand definition for health equity. I think it's a shift in many regards from the way we maybe thought about 
a lot of times we think about sort of an equality standard in healthcare about like if we just provide everybody with the same care, then we're going to get the same outcomes. And in fact, that kind of misses the equity boat. It misses this recognition that people come with different needs, people come with different aspects of disadvantage or advantage, and that we actually have to really be thoughtful and intentional about how we allocate our resources and how we attend to patients so that we're providing this patient-centered model of care, that we're providing sometimes people who need more might get more, people who need less might get less, but that that in doing so that we have the opportunity to ensure that everybody's got this opportunity um, to kind of optimize or reach that full potential for their health. So that's kind of the the health equity shift, I think. It doesn't mean that, you know, our, our checklists and our universal precautions and things are not important aspects of quality, but I think that appreciating sort of equity as being central to our ability to provide high quality care, that this is an extension of our quality and safety sort of strategy, you know, those pieces starting to help our organization really build that muscle and understand that they go hand in hand, that equity and quality and safety are really a part of the same conversation. And how would you say, I mean, as a system, in a, in a big S, small S, right? Mm-hmm. As How are we doing in this? We know, I mean, disparities do exist, but tell us a little bit more about that. I mean, how, how would you grade the overall health system, but then also, you know, IU Health in Indiana? Because, I mean, obviously we have opportunities to improve, but yeah. tell us kind of where you see us at currently. Yeah, I think that we have certainly room to grow. We've certainly got some opportunities. I will say that as I sort of network and convene with other folks in this space, um, there's some things that we've done really well and are actually, I think, um, it, for it's by some regards, sort of exemplars, like people are kind of watching what we're doing in certain spaces. And I, I can say more specifically, they got right off the ground running with some of our sort of internal um, sort of data metrics, really mm-hmm. starting to look at those data and think about our outcomes and our quality of care, our patient experiences, looking at that based on you know demographics, you know race, ethnicity, um, language, payer, um, sex. So I think that um, we've already built a lot of infrastructure and in our like some of our dashboards and things, and starting to again, build that muscle to think about our quality and looking at it through those lenses. You know, there are some opportunities that we have to do, um, I think, more in the space. I I love being here uh, with Nicole because I think we've got, we've had a focus around community health, around sort of population health, but I don't know if it's been married to a, a lens of equity historically. And I think that there are real opportunities to advance our um, kind of portfolio, our reach, our impact, if we start to kind of orient our strategies and our priorities around, you know, how do we um, make sure that we're serving sort of the most vulnerable, however one is going to define that, to, to bring those folks up to, to kind of having more, more equitable opportunities. I remember when I interviewed for the job and I was excited to meet with Bronson and had requested that, you know, we could connect because I felt like community health couldn't be approached unless it had the lens of equity. Mm -hmm. I remember us talking about this in in the interview (laughs) and we were having a conversation but I was still being interviewed but we had a moment where we shared why we took these roles and how we had to continually think about is this a right move because there's so much on the line Mm -hmm. within our communities and we don't want to miss the opportunity to have this impact 
just in taking the roles and being able to, you know, move the needle, but we also don't want to mess up the opportunity <laughs> to have the impact <laughs> within our own communities, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Nicole, so let's, let's transition a little bit to community health, and we'll get back to how these areas do, mm -hmm. do overlap. Why don't you discuss a little bit community health at IU Health, how we think about it, what some of our priorities are, and what you see, you know, in the plan ahead. Sure. So community health for IU Health, we're, we're really here to make sure that our patients, the communities we serve, and the state of Indiana get healthier. And um, we are looking at that through a lens of health equity. And the way that we distinctly do our work within the system is through innovative models of care that we hope to scale for not only the patients that we serve, but those outside of the community that don't have access and, and giving them access. We also distinctly do this work through engaging in the community and, and forging partnerships with the community. And then the last leg of that, of how we do our work, is through advocacy and, and really leveraging the strength of our anchor institution and our anchor institutions across the state to make sure that there's some relevant change that happens in the state house that happens with policy as Bronson mentioned and we do have five areas of focus that we've tried to align with health equity and other areas of the system so one is behavioral health and substance use disorder two is maternal and infant health three is smoking cessation, four is hypertension, and five is social determinants of health. And so those are the main areas of focus that we are doing that great work to, to close the gap on health and health equity across all those communities. And Nicole, I'm glad that you called out the anchor institution aspect too, because clearly we're a clinical provider of the state's largest and we have lots of opportunity and responsibility to do better there to affect these areas too. But we're also and one of the state's largest employers. Mm -hmm. We're a purchaser of services. We have a government affairs team who advocates. We need to model certain things as mm -hmm. well, too. So I, I do think we have a responsibility to leverage those diverse strengths beyond just being a provider of clinical mm -hmm. care to affect these areas. If I can, I'd like to hone in on a couple of the priori priority areas you mentioned because I think there is heavy overlap mm -hmm. with your work. And so infant and maternal health would be one and then hypertension too. So why don't we first, let's start with infant maternal health and let's talk about how we're doing as a state and as a system there in terms of just overall performance, but also in terms of equity. So in the space of infant mortality and maternal mortality, both are areas where as a state overall, we don't perform particularly well. We fare um, poorly in that space. Um, I know in the hypertension space, we're in the low 30s for how we rank. And so we have a lot of work to do, but what's interesting, I guess important to really underscore because of the equity lens is that if you look at our infant mortality data, for example, oftentimes you'll see that if we're looking at, at our at white infant mortality, it's actually kind of right on par with our national averages. And really where you're seeing what's driving of our poor performance overall is because of that disparity with regards to our, particularly our African-American infant mortality. And um, the same can be said, though to a lesser degree, in the maternal mortality space. We know nationally there's a lot of discussion right now about black women being three to four times more likely to die kind of in or after childbirth, but those are those are those don't exactly map to our Indiana data, but we do know that we have disproportionately high rates of death among African Americans even in our state. So I think part of the reason that I was alluding to this issue about 
if we're going to provide care that's high quality, if we're going to improve quality and safety, then we have to start grappling with these issues around health equity, uh, particularly in the space of racial, ethnic, you know, disparity and difference, is because in many regards, our these rankings, sort of our overarching kind of performance, we're not going to be able to improve our standing if we're not going to get serious and intentional about attending uh, to those disparate rates of death among African Americans um, in, in this case. So yeah, I, I do think that, that we have a ways to go, but we also have opportunity because if we could close that gap, I do believe that we could really climb in terms of our, our standing from the bottom. Think about that bottom too, and it's easy to, it's the, the rankings and things like that, and you can almost depersonalize it, but when you, you know, it hits me when you think about these are, these are, these are children who aren't seeing their first birthday or on the maternal yeah. who who kids who are losing their mom before their first birthday as well too Absolutely. so it's I mean it, it is the as you point out I mean this is the performance is is, is it's it's unacceptable the solutions I, I know are, are you know challenging but it's just we, we have to to do better what are some of the solutions that we can begin to, to do better and have impact yeah, I think that we have to get there through working with community partners and building and scaling programs that can benefit more people and, and get to the areas that are disparate. One thing that I have been big on, and I think Bronson has too since coming, you know, especially as we look across the state at infant maternal health and some of the other priorities, is there's a lot of good work going on from the aspect of the We Care program. There's work across the regions with healthy beginnings programs but just making sure that wherever possible in order for us to close that gap where we can align and make sure that we're all kind of rowing in the same direction Mm -hmm. I think is is uh, the crux of the work that we have to do because we do have great partnerships in our respective communities across the state there's faith-based organizations that we work with across the state. There's community organizations, there's school organizations that some of our regions are working with. And the crux is what type of programming will serve and have the best outcomes for the most and those that have the least. And how can we learn from those programs and build one and scale it that can accommodate and, and work for the most of people in a line. I think that's a lot of the work that I see myself doing in this role is helping to at least get things aligned so that we can, we're not all measuring the same thing at the end of the day. We don't know if we've really made an impact, but it does feel good, right? But we want to make sure that because at the end of the day, it may feel good to us, but it's somebody's life, right? So we have a responsibility to make sure that we are coordinated and aligned as much as possible internally and externally to get all of our ducks in a row to make sure that somebody's life is better, somebody's life is saved. Yeah, I think a couple of themes I hear there too. I mean, one, one is it's no one department's job here with IEL. That's mm-hmm. one because you know you think about our maternal teams, you think about our pediatric teams, you think about community health, you think about health equity teams and things like that. And so we we do need to leverage all of these strengths and have have a coherent plan. But but also it's not just internal, right? It's it's external partnerships. Yeah and alliances too and even like with the one with the week here where for those who may not know week here is right trying to provide prenatal care yep. to support expecting mothers mm-hmm. those first years provide those wraparound, wraparound services, services. Yeah. yeah there too so i think the the external partnership is an important theme mm-hmm. here as well if we're going to have impact it's huge yeah. yeah i mean i think I, i've been going around sort of you know, presenting to a lot of folks, um, uh, internal and external sort of stakeholders about this. And I have sort of this slide that I uh, tend to show that's sort of a 
a depiction of the um, to show that when we're looking at health outcomes, only about 20% of those are really driven by health care, um, kind of access to health care. And we, you know, that's humbling for us because we're health care providers. Right, we're right. in the, the business, you know, the, the this endeavor to provide health care. But we, how we do have to be humble and recognize that most of health is happening outside of our four walls, that, um, that these social and structural kind of drivers and um, barriers, inputs into people's health and wellness, you know, have to have to be contended with and, and that that's going to require us partnering outside of our realm of expertise, right? Mm-hmm. That it's going to be multi-sector, right? That education and, you know, agriculture. And, I mean, there, there are so many components that um, you just, it, it requires a degree of, of humility and, um, and then a lot of uh, collaboration, I think. So the only other thing that, that came to mind when you were talking about partnership, and maybe this is from my, um, a lot of my research has been sort of human-centered design, kind of um, qualitative, kind of uh, patient-engaged kind of research. And and so I do have a real value for how do we center the voice of like the marginalized or kind of like you said, sort of the folks who have, have least. I think how do we create infrastructures to really engage and to really hear from and create some aspect of, of dialogue and and that's hard because we're a big organization right. <laughs> yeah. but figuring out how to um, hear from folks who maybe haven't historically been at the center of our strategy or focal point you know, I think is an opportunity that we have yeah. to do this work with a, a more of an eye toward co-design and partnership with the communities. Because truthfully, and I'm going to speak for myself as somebody who who came up with, you know, I mean, I, I just talked about the fact that my father's a physician, right? Like, there are some lived experiences that I haven't had with regards to what it means, the challenges that our patients are facing to be able to even just get here in the door to receive this great care that I want to offer. And they're going to be, therefore, some solutions that are outside of what I can imagine or come up with. They're going to be things we have to really understand people's lived experiences that are different and diverse from ours on a number of fronts if we're going to figure out how to create um, solutions that meet their needs. And so it's a little, again, a, a humility that's required to recognize that I can't know all the things that need to be known to create the kinds of interventions that are going to work for the communities that we serve. So that's, that, that creates an opportunity, I think, to, to figure out how to partner. And, it, and sometimes, I mean, when you talk about community building, if you don't approach it from a partnering with the community and listening to their voice, you come off a certain way to the community as we're telling you what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And um, that can be perceived as dismissive and, you, you know, just definitely if, if there's anything we can do as a system is make sure that we're listening to those voices and partnering alongside and building uh, structures that do work for the community because it's not well received when yeah. <laughs> <To put up laughs> you come in yeah. Yeah, and say this is we what I think is best for you and we know we're smarter, we're physicians, we're a health mm-hmm. system and this is how it's going to be best for you and, and you haven't had that lived experience to say no that really doesn't mesh you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like that's one area that was helpful for me taking this role too is you know having those lived experiences having 
lived in, you know, just right off 34th and Martin Luther King and, and knowing people in the neighborhood and what their struggle was and living in the two-bedroom house with a family of six people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just an, a way for me to feel connected and mm-hmm. to make sure that I keep that at the forefront of what I do every day. I do want to um, I do want to touch on hypertension because that's one of our priorities mm-hmm. as well, too. Yeah. And Bronson, you've educated me just, you know, on some of the disparities that exist there too so can you can you comment a little bit about that absolutely within our system or outside of our system (laughs) yeah so i mean i think we have huge opportunities when we look at you know cardiovascular death and and sort of the host of related morbidity that impacts uh African-American community in particular, there are, are huge opportunities and significant gaps there. And we have been approaching this sort of taking a, a kind of a place-based approach and really looking for where are the communities that are bearing the greatest burden of this type of morbidity and mortality related to cardiovascular you know, inequities. Um, and how do we sort of start from the, that place of where there's sort of the greatest potential, I think, need and opportunity. So yeah, we are, are moving forward some plans, um, really trying to think about a community-facing component of this, but then we've also looked internally at our own data and found significant gaps in terms of blood pressure control within our primary care populations when we're looking across, across racial groups, particularly our white patient population compared to our black patient population. And that is um, in my mind, an exciting opportunity because it's right there in our reach. Um, and, and we actually have, we know that we have models of like enhanced outreach and things that are working for some segments of our patient population. And so the question is like, how do we, you know, how do we like in, leverage what we know can work um, for populations that are going to need additional kind of wraparound care, care coordination. So we've identified about a 10, a 10 point gap, a 10 percentage gap. I was just doing the math yesterday. It's about, it represents about 1,750, I can okay. tell you the exact number, 1,747 um, patients if we were going to close that gap. And thinking about, you know, in the next sort of set of steps, you know, well, what do we think we can sort of meaningfully do in a year's time, in two years time, in three years time, what kinds of strategies, you know, looking at models, um, there are other healthcare systems, you know, we're not the first to struggle with this, this is a nationwide challenge, uh, but we have some partner, some health systems um, in our region um, that have that have tackled this and done so with some degree of success, a lot of folks building on community health worker models that we are exploring moving forward, remote monitoring, there's collaborative care models. Precisely, yeah, so there are opportunities. Um, and there are models for success, and I think that we're really kind of on the, the cusp of, of being able to do something really exciting and really meaningful. Last question. It's been great, but you know, some of our team members listening may say, hey, what, hey, can we help? This is exciting. I want to have an impact. I want to help. Any advice or counsel or suggestions you would give to, to them? So the short answer is absolutely. There is plenty of work to be done. And, and two, I think a point that you were making earlier, or maybe I just filled in the gaps and made that point. We have, you know, relatively speaking, right, like we have small teams, you know, I'm building a team right now in equity, and we have, I mean, I think that the, the recognition that this is everyone's work, 
right. that health equity, the diversity, health equity, and inclusion, even on some level, this notion of kind of how do we do outreach and how do we think about our communities and, and recognize that we're part of these communities, our, our neighbors that we're caring for. This is everyone's work. It certainly can't be just the work of the small units that bear those titles. So I think that there's a, a baseline um, set of work and, and Lisa Gutierrez, who's our diversity and inclusion officer, you know, is doing great work right now, really trying to roll out a set of training and kind of skill development opportunities, just to be able to start to like have some of those uncomfortable conversations. And that's, it's not enough, it's not a sufficient, but it's a necessary muscle to build as an organization that cultivates sort of a I don't mean to keep harping on humility, but cultural humility, a sense of curiosity, a sense of openness, a sense of willingness to make mistakes, um, a sense of community among our team members, a sense of belonging. That's actually work that kind of starts with us. And I think that that's something that everybody can roll up their sleeves and do because because it has that ripple effect. Patients coming into our healthcare system, we also you know, have some work to do in terms of closing gaps around patient experiences with race and ethnicity. And, and I think that, that part of that really starts with how we build community and inclusivity and belonging with one another. Yeah, I would say that if you work at IU Health in any type of care setting, just to the extent that I can help inform you or our team can help inform you of the resources that we're building out that you can refer patients into. I think the more that um, you're informed about how we're trying to scale and serve and offer options and even in the primary care setting, just take some of the the burden of the day-to-day off so that your patients have access and that is just helpful to our cause because we want to be of service we want to be of help to our system to you know the community and the state but to the extent that we can keep you informed or you can you know be educated about what's out there and help get patients and navigate take that extra step Mm -hmm. to navigate them to the services that are out there i think would be most helpful that's great i was so surprised there were so many things that we had as resources and activities in the community for the community that I wasn't aware of as a provider. So I think that's another thing people can do is spread the word. Mm-hmm. When you see an, some, if you see something highlighted in one of our daily, yeah. you know, like starting to kind of um, raise a level of awareness and intentionality about yeah. like that this is a focal point, this is something that we're growing and that we want to um, make sure that people know about the good work that we are doing. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I want to thank you both for being here today. More than that, though, I want to thank you both for saying yes uh, and taking these roles. And I, and I, I really am excited about, I think, the impact that we can have. If we, we have a heavy dose of humility, right, but that we leverage the strengths of our system and partner with the right stakeholders here to have an impact, mm-hmm. I think we have a tremendous platform and, and quite honestly, a responsibility mm-hmm. to have more impact here, too. So. Thank you for uh, thank you again for the dialogue. Thanks for uh, saying yes to the roles, and thanks to all those who have taken time to listen as well. And if you have ideas or thoughts on future podcasts, uh, by all means, I encourage you to email me at rstiver at iuhealth.org. Thanks, everyone.